Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo Flying Solo today. I don't have my partner in crime, Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage here on the show today. He is off on vacation uh, enjoying uh, the the wonderful world, I think, of the West Coast this week. So um, I want to start off and talk a little bit about what's on everyone's mind right now with real estate, with recessionary concerns and uh, shifts in the real estate market going on. One of the things that becomes really, really important is how to pick a real estate agent to sell your home during a shifting real estate market. I think most people have already seen and heard that you know the real estate market is has some has some changes going on. First and foremost, we've seen a couple points uh, rise in in mortgage interest rates, with more expected to come, and we've seen inventory creep up a little bit. But to um, make sure you're aware of the statistics that are out there right now, we are still very much heavily in a seller's market. We still have way few sellers compared to the number of buyers. Despite interest rates, it has not pushed uh, the market to a buyer's market. Uh, That is going to take quite a long time to happen. Um, But we are starting to see a little bit more inventory come under the market. So buyers have more options. Homes may take a little longer to sell. Um, you know, homes may not sell for quite as high of a price, you know, likely not to get as many offers and are going to require a more creative marketing approach. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. When the real estate market was super hot, uh, you could probably hire, you know, anybody to sell your house. You could hire your neighbor, your brother, your cousin, uh, somebody that just got their license fresh out of school could probably put a sign in the yard and you would have success when the real estate market shifts. It becomes super important for you as a home seller to not just hire the guy that will do it the cheapest or your buddy or, um, you know, whoever, you know, you like. It becomes more important to hire the pro, uh, somebody that has a marketing budget, uh, somebody that has the ability to expose the home to more people than just putting a sign and putting it on the MLS. So. Uh, That's what I want to talk to you about. Obviously, we would love to apply for that job if you're thinking about selling a home in Tampa Bay, but it isn't just about us. There are a lot of real estate agents out there that uh, can be successful in a shift, but but you want to go with someone that has a marketing budget, someone that is going to expose your home more than just putting it on MLS. How are they exposing the home on Zillow? How are they exposing the home on Realtor.com? How are they using a pay-per-click campaign or SEO or social media? How are they exposing it on radio shows like this or uh, to a TV audience or, you know, all these different things become important because when the market shifts, you want as many eyes on your house as possible, not just to ensure that you get the most money, but to ensure that it actually sells. So, um, you know, questions to ask your real estate agent, what is your marketing plan and what do you do different than other real estate agents to get exposure for my home? Uh, What is your strategy for pricing it to get the most attention? Um, What is your strategy, you know, online, offline, um, you know, in terms of getting eyes on the property? Uh, And then what is your negotiation strategy and strategy for showing the house? They're they're all points, you know, all the points of a real estate transaction or real estate selling process have a strategy to them. And if they don't know how to capitalize on every one of those you know, kind of trigger points to get the most eyes and the most attention, uh, your home may fail to sell or uh, may not sell for as much money. Um, So one thing that I think, uh, you know, in addition to getting the number of eyes 
on your real estate listing that matters during a shifting market is do they have experience in a changing, shifting real estate market? It's no secret. The last few years, there are a lot of real estate agents that got into the business and they don't know what it's like to work in a real estate market where a home is listed for more than a week and doesn't have multiple offers. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to strategize. They don't, they don't even know what a price reduction is because they've never had to do one. Um, so you want to make sure your agent has experience working in these different real estate markets. Our company, I've obviously been doing this. This is my 18th year. Um, I've been through lots of economic cycles. I've been through down, you know, down markets, recession, depression, um, you know, as well as, um, you know, inflationary issues, higher interest rates than we're at right now I've been through. So I think when you are hiring a real estate agent, if you expect that the real estate market is going to continue in this direction, you need to make sure you hire someone that knows how to navigate through the rough waters of a changing real estate market. Because if you hire someone that doesn't, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do when the home doesn't sell in a week. They don't know how to expose it more. They don't know how to boost a listing. They don't know how to get it more attention on social media. They don't know how to use a TV or a radio audience to get more eyes and ears paying attention to the home. So be very cautious. When, when real estate market shifts, you have to be very cautious about who you hire. It isn't just about hiring the cheapest anymore. Now you have to focus on hiring the best. The best from a marketing perspective, but also the best from an experience perspective because you're selling likely the most expensive asset that you own or will ever own. And if you make the wrong pick, uh, you could ultimately end up with your house not selling, with you losing money. Um, and, and while I don't expect um, the, the real estate shift right now to turn into what it was a decade plus ago when we saw the crash in you know 07 to 10, um, well, I don't expect that to happen if it were to happen uh, and you hire the wrong real estate agent. I mean, you might end up never selling your home or end up in foreclosure. That's certainly what happened to a lot of people. When, you know, when, in my early days in the business, people would, you know, thought prices were going to go up forever. They hired the wrong agent. They hired the agent that told them a high, the highest price and uh, promised them sunshine and rainbows. The home never sells and the person ends up losing everything. So just make sure you're hiring the professional that will tell you the truth about the market that'll also uh, do the best job uh, marketing your property. So when we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We're always putting out good real estate content, uh, videos, statistics, um, you know, information about properties. You can follow us at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat. Again, that is at The Duncan Duo whenever we aren't on air. If you're a real estate agent listening to this right now, we are looking to hire a select group of people. My company, um, different than a lot of companies out there, we're not hiring everybody and their brother, and we're not trying to bring on hundreds of agents. We want to bring on the select few kind of Navy SEAL types, so to speak, that can be some of the best agents in the market to plug into our team and have massive success in a system that generates leads for them, manages transactions, and helps coach them into being uh, the most successful real estate agent they can be. If you want to find out about joining our company, maximizing your income, you can go to jointheduo.com. Again, that is jointheduo.com. You can register for our career night. You can apply for any of our open positions. Whether you're a real estate agent that's brand new to the business or somebody that's thinking about a change, the real estate market is shifting. The company that you're at may not have a plan for it, or their plan may be a bad one. Or they may have may may never have gone through the real estate market shift that is upon us. So make sure again, if you are wanting to stay in the real estate business, the reality is the shift is going to knock some people out of the business. Hopefully, it's not you. 
we can provide you an opportunity to succeed at jointheduo.com. So first-time homebuyers right now are questioning whether or not they should pause, they should wait. And, um, you know, I have some advice for them. Uh, The only reason you should wait is if you want to pay more. Real estate prices are not going down. Despite an expected slowdown in home sales and despite an expected slowdown in appreciation, it's still appreciation, meaning that prices are still going up, going to continue to go up, and interest rates are going to continue to rise. What does that basically mean for a first-time home buyer? The reality is, is that you are paying a mortgage payment, whether you're paying your mortgage payment or your landlord's. So if you're going to pay a mortgage payment regardless, shouldn't you get the equity gain and the financial benefits and the uh, tax benefits, the equity gain, all of those things versus helping make your landlord rich? So um, my word of advice is forget about what you couldn't, you know, what you missed out on six months ago, three months ago, lower interest rates, you know, lower prices, and understand that a year from now, you're going to be in the same boat and you're going to look back and say, man, I should have bought a year ago. And then another year, you're going to say, man, I should have bought a year ago. While real estate markets up north and out west may slow down, we continue to get population growth and people moving here because of no state income tax and reasonably affordable real estate values compared to some of these more expensive markets. So our market is going to continue to do well. So first-time home buyers in Tampa Bay, if they pause, it's simply going to cost them more money. Now, unless they pause... Until the market starts, you know, prices start lowering. So let's say that that's another year or two. Uh, you know, so you have a year or two of appreciation, and then you're going to have a year or two of, you know, depreciation for it to get back to where it was two years before that. The reality is, if you wait, you need to plan on waiting several years, and then only if you're really lucky. There are people that get paid tens of millions of dollars to analyze the real estate market, and they don't even get it right. So people that try and time the market most of the time. Um, you know, get it wrong. So if you're a first-time home buyer pressing the pause button, plan on pressing it for a long time if you expect prices to drop. Real estate does not move the same way the stock market does. It doesn't change overnight. It doesn't lose 10% of its value overnight. It takes a long time. It's a slow-moving market. Prices are going to keep rising. You know, they're, they're, they're going to. Not at the clip they have been, but they're still going to rise. Inflation causes building supplies and materials to rise, which then causes builders to pass on those expenses to buyers, which then causes resale homes to go up because those new construction homes are in the same neighborhoods as some of the resale homes. So what do you have? A real estate market that's going to appreciate, just not nearly as aggressively as it has been. So a first-time home buyer waiting, it's going to cost you more money. Uh, that's my strong opinion based on the data that I look at every day. Um, it's it's going to cost you more money for the next several years if you wait. And then, of course, you're talking about waiting several years, living in the property you don't really want to live in. There's a cost associated with being where you really want to be. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show on WFLA News. When we aren't on air, follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo. I'm going to talk next. Uh, Funny article, something I saw on Reddit. Um, Somebody that uh, bought a house and found a safe in in their new home. They want to know whether they can keep it or not. So if you're someone that's bought a home and found something from the prior owner before, 
um, you know, stay tuned. We're going to talk a little bit about that after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Got an interesting article I want to talk about next. And this goes out to everybody that's ever bought a house and found something in the house that was the that belonged to the prior owner, the seller of the property. So there was an article on Reddit where someone found a lock safe and wanted to know what the steps were, what they could do. So I'm going to talk specifically about Florida and going to share a few experiences uh, that I've encountered over the years with clients who've bought real estate and then found something in the home. So first and foremost, when you buy a property, everything that is in the property, uh, everything that's in the home, unless it's something that is like legally titled like a car, that this is that's a little bit different because you got to go through, you got to jump through some hoops to to get that. But but if you're just talking about goods or a safe or something that isn't um, titled uh, in a state, uh, that is now your property that you bought the home. So as far as you know, any kind of legal step um, or steps to, to go through, that, that's now your property. Now, there's the morality play as to whether or not you should share that with the prior owner, whether you should give it back to them, whether you should call them. Some of that, I think, depends on what it is that you find and, and certainly your own belief system. You know, I'm not going to speak on the morality side because that's certainly up to you if you find something. But if you find something in a home, it is now yours. So, um, you know, people cracking a safe or finding things in the home, the, the, the prior owner had the opportunity to clean everything out of the house and didn't. Unfortunately, the opposite of that is we end up running into a lot of scenarios where the seller leaves behind thing, unwanted things, trash or stuff in a storage shed, and then the buyer has to deal with it. A lot of times the buyer wants the seller to take care of it or give them money um, after the fact. And um, the, the, in, the, in most of those situations, the seller is an obligator to because the buyer had the option to walk through the home, inspect it, and make sure that everything was removed before they actually closed. Um, so post-closing, uh, what's in the house is in the house, and now it's your house to deal with. Uh, pre-closing, you certainly have remedy that you can ask the seller to remove those things. But let's just say you find something in the house, um, you know, for, from a legal perspective. Again, um, you know, notwithstanding a car or something that has a legal title, then you have to go through some extra steps to take possession of that. You know, if you're talking about finding goods or boxes or stuff, um, that's now your stuff, and you have to decide what's in it and whether or not you should. Um, you know, open it, what's in it, and then decide it's up to you at that point whether or not you wish to, um, you know, call the prior owner, tell them what's in there. It would depend on whether it's sentimental, how much is in there. there there's a lot of things that can come into play from the morality side of things, but from the legal side of things, unless it's something titled that, that like, like a car or a motorcycle, um, once you open it up, whatever is in there is, is yours. You you possess it. That was the contract for the home and the document signed at closing, conveyed that. Now, again, if you open it up and there are family photos or birth certificates or legal documents, then, of course, maybe that's a scenario where you reach out and let the seller know as a courtesy. Um, but I'm going to give you guys a scenario that I thought was pretty cool. So a few years ago, I sold a house in South Tampa. And uh, I'm going to keep names out of it because I just I'm going to um, I sold a house in South Tampa and the uh, prior owner was part of an ownership group for the New York Yankees. So uh, without naming the name, I'm pretty sure most people out there listening can guess what it, who it was. Anyway, the purchaser buys the house and goes through the attic and finds boxes of items 
that were uh, signed and autographed and unique photos and jerseys and certainly um, had the option that if they wanted to, uh, they could have um, you know, kept those things and done with them what they wanted. They were they were clearly the prior owners, but the prior owner had the opportunity to sweep the home and clean it out and get their stuff out, and they didn't. Uh, in this specific incident, some of it incident, uh, incident uh, some of the items seemed to be more of a personal nature, and the new owner felt like they should call the existing owner uh, or the prior owner simply because they didn't want the bad you know the bad mojo. When they called the prior owner, the prior owner only wanted one item out of the boxes of items and let the new owner keep them all. Uh, felt obligated to let them do that. And we were talking about a lot of you know sports memorabilia. So, um, again, uh, in that instance, the new owner didn't really have to call the prior owner but chose to because, again, their belief system felt like uh, they should. And, and in reality, the prior owner let them keep everything but one kind of sentimental item that really wasn't that valuable on the open market, but was valuable to that person. So you could probably draw conclusions to figure out who I'm talking about, but it was kind of a really cool story to and, and a neat experience to find some of those items. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll um, you know, again, run into that from time to time, but usually not as unique or neat of, of a set of items being discovered. So if you happen to find something, whether it's something you want or whether it's something you don't want, after you've closed on a home, it's yours to deal with. Um, so uh, that's uh, you know kind of my take on the Reddit article about finding a locked safe in a home, whether or not you should open it and what you should do with what's inside. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok. Always putting out good real estate content about the Tampa Bay market. And you can always message us, whether you're thinking about getting into real estate, whether you are someone who um, you know, is thinking about selling, thinking about buying. We'd love the opportunity to talk to you. You can do that through our socials at the Duncan Duo. We'll be back after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And we have gotten this question a lot from people. How do houses get sold before they ever hit the market? And so... Um, what's interesting is is that uh, there's no real actual way to hit the market. Um, you know, there's there are plenty of, you know, there are upwards of ten to fifteen and sometimes twenty plus percent of real estate transactions in Tampa Bay never list with a real estate broker, so they never make it to the MLS. They sell directly to a friend, a family member, an investor, a neighbor. Um, so, so you know, the the idea that all real estate listings hit the market is kind of a myth. So, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about you know, ways that you can buy a house before it hits the market. Um, and, you know, just to touch on what I just kind of said, um, obviously, you know, buying a home from someone you know, buying a home from a neighbor, buying a home that uh, has a client uh, or has a seller that really doesn't want to list it with a real estate agent, wants to sell it directly to somebody, um, inter-family transfers, all, all these types of things are ways that you can buy a home before it hits the market. However, there are a lot of sellers that approach real estate agents and say, so So those are the majority of like the common ways, right, that, that happen. But I want to talk to you about ways that real estate agents are involved in sales of homes that never hit the market. So the first one is a seller comes to a real estate company and says, hey, I want to sell my house, but I don't want to list it because it's super valuable or I care about my privacy. And I'm going to call a handful of the brokers 
that work in this price range and neighborhood and let them know, and they can set up an appointment with me and bring their buyers by. That's one way a home sells off market. Um, you know, they they uh, kind of stay a free agent. They don't list it traditionally, and they reach out to brokers on their own, and they broker their own deal. A second way homes sell before they ever actually hit the market is when a seller hires a real estate broker and the real estate broker actually already has a buyer for the home or has a program or a system that markets the home to kind of create pent up demand before it lists. And it happens to uncover a buyer that offers a price and term that the seller decides never to actually go on the market. So you can call those coming soon. You can call them pocket listings. Uh, there's a whole lot of steps that real estate brokers have to follow in order to stay, you know, kind of kosher with the the real estate board. But those are that's another way that real estate listings can sell, um, you know, off market. A third way that real estate listings can sell off market is when a real estate agent goes looking for inventory. So uh, a good example, um, and and we have several agents on our team that do this. So if you're someone that, that wants someone to kind of beat up the street and find inventory that isn't on the market, go hit us up at DuncanDuo.com or send us a message on one of our socials at The Duncan Duo. But what a real estate agent in this instance does is buyer comes in and says, hey, I want to buy you know, let's just say I want to buy a $3 million house in Colbreth Isles or Beach Park, or I want to buy a $3 million house on Davis Island. And we see everything that's on the market and there's nothing that fits it. We get really specific with the client. We say, hey, what are the things that you really want in a property? And they list them out. We go onto the MLS and look at previously sold, expired or withdrawn listings uh, and look at that data and comb through it to and, and tax records, and comb through to find properties that match that specific criteria. We cross-reference it with Google Maps so we can look at front elevations to determine if that kind of fits the uh, the design that the client's looking for. And then you 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 know you canvas neighborhoods, you knock on doors, you talk to neighbors, and and you try and reach some of the sellers that way um, that have um, previously listed homes or previously sold homes that fit that criteria. You can also reach out to the real estate broker that previously sold that home and say, hey, would they entertain an offer? So there are a lot of creative things happening when inventory is low. And that is uh, something that that probably isn't going to happen as much as the real estate market shifts, but still will always happen, um, especially when you're talking about high-end real estate. Uh, in Los Angeles, for example, a lot of celebrities, a lot of you know Hollywood A-list actors, um, you know, athletes, uh, music stars don't list their homes traditionally. They call a broker, they figure out what it's worth, and then the broker calls other brokers that, and shops it to find a deal so that it doesn't hit the tabloids and so they don't have the tour vans driving by their house. We don't have that as much in Tampa. It does happen from time to time. But even people like Derek Jeter, you know, highest home sale uh, in Tampa in a while, even even people like Derek Jeter do list their home traditionally with brokers here. But there are some scenarios where they don't end up hitting the market. So there are ways that you can beat the crowd and buy a house before uh, it officially hits the market. So I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize um, there are creative ways, and the best real estate agents in the market, the best agents representing buyers, know how to uncover this. Um, we've done it with 
um, you know, professional athletes. We found inventory for them that wasn't available. Um, we've, we've had uh, sports teams coaches that we've done the same thing with. So if you're looking for somebody to uh, kind of beat the crowds and find listings before they officially hit the market, again, we would love the opportunity to represent you. You can go to theduncanduo.com or you can go to one of our socials and shoot us a message. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA. When we aren't on air, again, at the Duncan Duo on all our socials. A lot of first time home buyers still in the marketplace, despite rising interest rates, um, are looking at the opportunity of, of not paying drastically rising rent payments. So, you know, when people compare and contrast affordability and say, oh, I don't want to buy it, it's so expensive, uh, we encourage them to go look at rental prices and look at what's happening in the rental market. Here's what's not going to happen when you buy a house. Your payment isn't going to go up 15 or 20% in a year like your rent payment is right now in a lot of communities. Their rent's rising dramatically. And the reason being is because landlords need to pay their mortgage payment. So if you know interest rates are rising, they're simply going to pass that on to who, to to the tenant. So if you want to lock in and prevent yourself from being, you know, gouged or whatever you want to call it, your your rental rate going up because of everything going on in the economy or inflation or interest rates, you buy because you're locking in your payment and term. When you rent, you don't have that ability. You sign a one-year lease and in the next year the landlord's going to come to you and they're going to see their costs are going to go up and they're going to pass it right along to you. So Nonetheless, still a lot of first-time homebuyers out there because they understand this. And if you are a first-time homebuyer, getting the best mortgage rate, look, it's no secret rates have risen. So then it becomes really, really important that as they have risen, what can you do to make sure that you can get the lowest possible rate of the higher rates that you can? One of the things that you need to pay attention to in that scenario, in addition to your income and and your ability to buy, uh, your down payment, is your credit score. So how do you boost your credit score? What are some things you can do to improve your credit score and lower, not just lower your interest rate, but also improve your chances of actually being approved um, at all, okay? So there are people out there who need uh, their their higher credit score or else they're not gonna be able to uh, buy. So the very first thing you need to do is pull your credit report. Uh, not just your score, okay? Like your score is is really a barometer, okay? But there are things on your credit report, regardless of your score, that could hurt or impact your ability to buy. So pull your credit report and look over it. Are there medical collection payments? Are there things on there that are wrong? Um, you know, are they showing your um, credit, you know, your credit card balances properly? Um, you know, you want to look over that credit report, make sure it's accurate. And if it's not accurate, you want to, you know, make file disputes with the credit bureaus to be able to remove things. Sometimes you might even want to hire a professional that can help you do those things. But you want to pull your credit report and assess where you stand. You want to improve your credit credit score with error disputes. A uh, 2013 study by the FTC found that 5% of credit reports contain errors that can erroneously hurt your score. So one out of 20 one out of every 20 people has things wrong with their credit report that it's negatively impacting your score. If you don't do that, it could cause you to pay a higher rate. You might not look thoroughly at your credit report. Your mortgage lender might not guide you through it, and it costs you a quarter or a half point more simply for things that you could have done if you prepared yourself ahead of time. You want to erase one-time mistakes. Maybe you made a late payment, okay, and that shows up on your on your score. 
you can call a lot of times you can call the companies and get them to erase it or correct it. Sometimes you can hire a professional to help you do that. Uh, so you want to erase one-time mistakes. Another thing by looking at your credit report, you may have no credit. If you don't have no credit, then you've not shown an ability to repay over time with anyone. You need to have some credit. If you don't have any credit cards, but you have good income um, and, and no collections and none in your past, you need to establish some credit. You need to take out, you need to have some credit cards. You need to you know, put some stuff on it. You need to pay those things off. So you, you definitely need to have some credit. Another thing you can do is increase your limits, okay? So a lot of your ability to repay your debt is measured by your debt to income, how much debt you have versus how much you make. And of course, the utilization rate on your credit cards. How much of your available credit are you using every month? If you increase your credit limit while also not increasing what you spend, okay, let's, let's keep that real. If you increase, let's say your credit limit is 10,000 and you increase it to 20 and you're bouncing off your credit limit every month, now you're only using 50%. You're only using 10,000 of 20,000 of your utilization ratio. That looks better, that improves your score. So a simple way is increasing credit limits can give you greater buying power, it can improve your score. The key is, when you increase your credit limits, you don't wanna increase what you spend. You wanna keep do, spending the same, but as long as you don't increase your balances, now you look like a safer bet to creditors. So increase your, your uh, limits. Pay on time is another big one. If you're, if you're paying late and they see that, um, you've got to establish a pattern of paying on time. Look, to, it, it, it isn't, you know, there, there are people today that miss payments just because they get busy, okay? You can go into your online banking profile with most banks and pay your pay it all ahead of time. Schedule your schedule your payments ahead of time. Then you don't have to worry about missing it. You've got to pay on time. And then, unfortunately, negative items such as habitually late or non-existent payments can stay on your report for up to seven years. Okay, you got to change your habits. The your payment history accounts up to thirty five percent of your score. So the longer that you fix your habits and stay good on your credit, the better your score is going to get. So again, hopefully, those are some things. Sometimes. Your credit is so bad that you really do need a professional, though, that can help you, you know, wrestle with, you know, collection reports, talk to uh, credit providers, help give you advice on what you should increase your credit limits to, uh, help you decide whether you should get other uh, credit cards. So depending on where your score is, you may need a credit repair professional. Um, and again, if you need that, send us a message at the Duncan Duo, go to DuncanDuo.com, send us a message, and we'll make sure to hook you up with one of our preferred lenders uh, like Cross Country Mortgage to help you with your uh, credit. So we'll be back wrapping up the show with our last segment. We're going to talk about house smells. We're going to talk about that after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show, and yes, we have to talk about stinky houses or not stinky houses. Look, when you're selling your house, you can stage it and make it look amazing for photos. It can look amazing for videos. But if people walk in and it smells like wet dog, you're going to have problems selling the house. Okay, You're going to have people wonder what's wrong, and you're going to turn off their um, you know, psychological, emotional system. You know, when, when people walk into a house that they want to sell, it needs to smell good. It needs to smell uh, desirable. You know, a lot of people talk about it smelling like cookies or fresh baked goods. And and this is where a professional comes in. If you have a lot of animals you or you smoke, okay, 
you may not smell those things, okay? But statistics have shown us that homes that have smells that people can't get over have sold for up to 10% less than comparable homes that don't have the smell. People don't want to deal with the smell. It turns off their emotion or it makes them worry about the property's condition. It makes them think, is there something else wrong? Is there mold? Is there this? Is there that? Because these are smells they're not used to. You may be used to what a house that's been smoked in smells like if you're someone that smoked your whole life or been around people that have smoked. If you're someone that's never been around somebody that smoked and you walk into a house that's been smoked in, you could think that something is wrong with it. So again, make sure that you have someone that isn't nose deaf to what's going on in your house. Smell it and tell you whether or not you need to address those things. Uh, again, sometimes it's changing AC filter. Sometimes it's cleaning carpet. Sometimes it's something that's harder. It's in the wall. Sometimes it's something that's harder to get rid of. But you need to make sure that your house smells good. A lot of new construction homes sell very well because people say they have a new house smell associated with them. They haven't had anyone live in it. Uh, people like that. So again, air fresheners, changing out your AC filters, cleaning your carpet, having friends and family come through and smell the house, maybe even putting your animals up somewhere and keeping them in either a more secluded part of the house or keeping them with a pet sitter for a little while for the few weeks uh, that your house is initially on the market. Again, those things really matter. That extra step that you take could put you know, thousands and thousands of dollars more in your pocket than the cost that you're going to incur because smell really does matter. It helps set the tone. It helps feel, make people feel comfortable. It helps them feel like there isn't something so wrong with the house that it's going to cause them problems every single day. Uh, the other thing that happens with pets is allergies. You have people that, uh, you know, that, that have allergies. And they're going to get allergic to pets and dander and pet hair. Um, and then they're going to think, man, I'm never going to be able to get rid of this. I don't want to buy this house because now I'm buying a problem. So uh, the more that you can do to prepare your house for, for not just what it looks like, you know, what, it, what the experience is, but what it smells like, the better off you're going to be to get more money for the house to sell it faster, to not have as many people showing it, to not have as many objections and concerns, you definitely want to make sure you're paying attention to what your house smells like. And I, and I can't say this enough. If you have one of the items that causes some of these smells, whether it's you know animals, whether it's you smoke, um, whether it's you know just you know a, a house that's older, maybe you haven't changed out the AC filters. Talk to your realtor, talk to friends and family, have other people give you their feedback and listen to their feedback. It will save you and put more money in your pocket if you address uh, you know, the smelling things. So I want to give you a couple of funny stories before we uh, end today on smells that we have encountered through the years uh, when we've been uh, selling homes. One of the worst smells that we've had is, is selling a home or going to show a home that has a sewer backup. You know, homes in, homes in the country sometimes are on septic uh, and the septic tank hasn't been cleaned out and the house smells like literal crap. So, um, you know, that's one we've dealt with. We've um, we've sold houses that clearly have people that live in them that, that smoke weed, you know, so the house smells like weed. We've had people, um, you know, we've had homes that we sold that have mold. Um, that's a terrible smell. We've had homes that we've sold that smell like gas come to find out we had one that smelled like gas really bad. We couldn't figure it out. And the, we learned that 
um, when the home isn't being shown, the owner parks his motorcycle in the living room. Yeah, it's probably leaked a little gas. It probably smells gaseous. Okay, so so those are some of the funny smells that we've encountered through the years. Um, we've also had uh, homes that smell like BO, you know, people that live in them that just never shower. Um, we've had animal smells. Um, we had a cat. We had a, a cat house one time where the owner had 27 cats. I'm not kidding you, 27 cats, and the house smelled like cat, you know, cat urine. It just smelled really, really bad. So again, if you have any of those things, make sure to have them addressed. If you want to get the most amount of money for your home, make sure you get rid of the bad smells, get in some good smells, and uh, maximize uh, your home value. So again, we appreciate you tuning in. And uh, when we aren't on air again, follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.